were there in Proverbs chapter number 9, and if you look at verse number 1, the Bible says, Wisdom hath built her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars. We are uh, in the second week of our series on words that will change your life. If you remember last week, we talked about the word unity, and we saw that word throughout the Bible, and uh, this week I want to uh, talk about a word. I'm not even really sure if this is an actual word or maybe I made this up. I, I think I came up in the dictionary. So I want to talk about being teachable or having a teachable spirit. In, in verse number one of Proverbs 9, in the book of Proverbs, and you know that the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom, in chapter 9, wisdom is personified. So wisdom is talked about as if it were a person. Notice, notice verse 1. Wisdom hath builded her house. So it's talking about wisdom as a woman that is building some, her house there. It says she hath hewn out her seven pillars. She hath killed her bees. She hath mingled her wine. She hath also furnished her table. Now here's what I want you to notice. If wisdom were a person, if wisdom were an individual, here's what wisdom would be doing. Verse 3, she has sent forth her maidens. She, talking about wisdom, crieth upon the highest places of the city. Notice verse 4, who is simple? Now, in the Bible, the word simple is, to just give you the most basic definition, someone who's simple is basically someone who's dumb. And it's not necessarily that they're dumb because they're not smart, but maybe, like, sometimes often the Bible will talk about a child being simple. You know, a little child doesn't know a lot of things, and they need help, and they need explaining. And here you have wisdom crying out, and, say, and she says, Who is simple? Let him turn in hither. Because remember, she built a house, and she said, Hey, if you're simple, turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread. And drink of the wine which I have mingled, forsake the foolish and live, and go in the way of understanding. So here you have wisdom being personified, and if wisdom were a person, if wisdom were an individual, here's what wisdom would be saying. Wisdom would be saying, hey, if you're simple, turn in unto me. If you want understanding, come and eat of my bread. And here's what I want you to understand, and what the Bible's trying to teach us here, is that wisdom is available for anyone who wants it. God has made wisdom available for all of us. And God allows us the opportunity to receive wisdom. Uh, you're there in, in Proverbs 9. Flip a few pages over to Proverbs chapter number 12 and look at verse number 1. Proverbs chapter number 12 and look at verse number 1. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 1. Whoso loveth instruction. I want you to make note of that word instruction. The word instruction is talking about being taught something. It's talking about being trained. It says, Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge. But he that hateth reproof. Now I want you to make note of that word reproof. The word reproof means the act of disapproval. When I reprove something or reprove something, I'm basically disapproving of something. I'm saying, hey, that's not a good thing. Now notice what it says. He that hateth reproof is brutish. That's the opposite of being wise. That's the opposite of being smart. So he says, Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge. But he that hateth reproof is brutish. Now we saw in Proverbs 9 that wisdom is available for everyone. You can have wisdom. I can have wisdom. The wisdom of God is available for all of us to be able to attain it. But here's the problem with wisdom, and here's why some people never get wisdom, is because the way you get wisdom is by being taught or being instructed. And the issue with that is that sometimes instruction... And sometimes being taught and trained, especially in the context of, of the wisdom of God and the word of God and the church, often it comes in a negative way. 
Keep your finger there in Proverbs. Most of the verses we're going to look at tonight are in the book of Proverbs. But go with me to the book of 2 Timothy in the New Testament. In the New Testament, you find all the T-books. They're all clustered together. you got First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, and then the book of Titus. If you can find a T-book, you're close to it. Go to 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and look at verse number 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Notice what the Bible says. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Now, what the Bible is telling us here, not only that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, meaning all Scripture came from God, was breathed by God, God gave it to us, but it's also telling us that all Scripture is profitable. Profitable for what? Notice, for doctrine. Now, the word doctrine means to be taught something, all right? We're having our Bible doctrines class tonight. What are they being taught? Doctrines, teachings, uh, you know, from the Word of God. So the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, but I want you to notice it's also profitable for reproof. That's talking about disagreeing with something. This morning, there was a lot of reproof in the, in the sermon. This morning, I was disagreeing with our society. I was disagreeing with people, you know, who think it's okay to drink alcohol. And if you miss that sermon, you know, check it out on the website and, and, you know, to get it in its context. But sometimes when you're taught something, reproof is the way you are taught because someone disagrees with you for correction. Now, here's the thing with correction. To be corrected means you're doing something wrong. To be corrected means there's an issue, something was not being done right, and someone's coming along and saying, no, 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 that's not how you do it, let me show you how you do it, and then you're corrected. So he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. Again, talking about being trained, talking about teaching something in righteousness. Now you're there in 2 Timothy 3.16. Turn one page over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse number 2. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Notice what the Apostle Paul said to Timothy when teaching him about preaching. Notice what he said. He said, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Now, I want you to notice how you are to teach the word. He says, reprove. The word reprove, again, means to correct. Rebuke. The word rebuke means to express disapproval, to tell some, so uh, a reprove is to basically say, no, 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 that, let me, you're doing it wrong, let me fix that. A rebuke is to tell someone, no, that's not right, I disagree with that, that's incorrect. To exhort, and the next word there, exhort, means to encourage. So he says, hey, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and doctrine. Long-suffering means to be patient. Doctrine, obviously, we're teaching the word of God. Here's what I want you to say. You have available, and I have available, in the word of God, we have the mind of God available to us. Everything that mankind needs to know is within the borders of this book. I mean, everything you need to know about finances and health, marriage, whatever area you want to learn something about, work ethic, everything is found in the Bible. And God says that if wisdom were a person, she'd be crying out and saying, hey, I can help you. Hey, come unto me. I can teach you. But here's what you got to understand. Why do some people never come to wisdom? Why do some people never get instruction? Here's why. Because the way you get wisdom is by being taught the word of God. And sometimes training and teaching comes in the form of a rebuke or a correction or a reproof. Sometimes when we're taught something and we're trained, we are taught in a negative way because a lot of times we're just doing the wrong thing. We've been taught wrong. We've been told things that aren't true. And when you're going to, when wisdom wants to help you, wisdom has to tell you, hey, no, 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 you're doing it wrong. No, 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 I disapprove of that. No, 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 that's not what God wants. That's not what the Bible says. And here's the problem with that. 
Some people cannot handle correction. Can you go back to the book of Proverbs? Proverbs chapter 9, look at verse 7. We were there in Proverbs 9. See, wisdom is available for all of us. You can have it. I can have it. Anyone who wants wisdom from God can have it. James 1.5 says this, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. God says, I will give you wisdom if you want it. God says, I will give you wisdom if you ask for it. God says, I will give you wisdom if you search for it. But he says, the way you get it is through instruction. The way you get it is through training. The way you get it is sometimes through a rebuke, sometimes through a reproof, sometimes through a correction. And here's why some people never attain wisdom, because they cannot handle corrections. They, can, they don't like to be told they're wrong. Are you there in Proverbs 9? Look at verse 7. Notice what it says. He that reproveth, that means to correct, he that reproveth a scorner, what's a scorner? Someone who rejects, someone who refuses, someone who mocks at. He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame. He that rebuketh, what does it mean to rebuke? To express disapproval, to tell someone, no, that's wrong. No, you can't do it that way. No, you're, you're going to fail that way. He that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Notice verse 8. Reprove. Here's what God says. Reprove not a scorner. He says, don't even waste your time. Don't correct a scorner. Don't tell a scorner, hey, no, 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 let me help you. You're doing it wrong. He says, reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man. Now, notice the difference. You rebuke a scorner, and they're going to hate you. But when you rebuke a wise man, he will love thee. Do you see that? See, why, why does a wise man love someone who comes up to them, and in the spirit of love, and obviously the Bible says we ought to preach the truth and teach the truth in love, and I think we ought to be gracious with our words, and I think, you know, we ought to correct in the areas in which we have authority. I don't think it's your job or my job to go and correct somebody else's child. or so, You know, I, I, it's not my job to go tell somebody else's wife what they should or shouldn't do. But as a pastor, you know, God has given me influence over this church. Maybe in your life you have authority over your wife or over your children or maybe you're a boss and you've got employees over you in your sphere of authority and in your sphere hey what the the bible tells us you know that a wise man will get a rebuke and will get a correction and will get told that they're doing something wrong and they'll be even wiser because here's what makes a wise man a wise man he's willing to get corrected he's willing to be instructed He's willing to be taught. Notice, reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. And that's why you can get up like I did this morning and preach a sermon anti-alcohol. You can preach a sermon about whatever you want. And some people are going to walk out of here and just be mad at pastors. I can't believe he would say that. And some people are going to walk out of here and say, man, I've never heard that before. That was great. Uh, I'm so glad that you taught me that. In fact, I'm going to go home and, and, um, you know, dump out some wine bottles because I love the fact that you taught me. What's the difference? The The difference is one person wants to be taught. One person wants to learn the Bible. One person wants to be corrected. The other person does not want to be corrected. They don't want anyone at any time for any reason ever telling them they're wrong about anything. And that person, according to the Bible, is going to be a brute, is going to be brutish because they're not willing to receive correction. Go to Proverbs chapter 1, look at verse 7. Proverbs chapter 1, look at verse 7. You you find this all throughout the Bible, but there's so many verses in Proverbs. We're going to look at most of the passages tonight will be in Proverbs. We'll go to different passages here in a minute. But go to Proverbs chapter 1, look at verse 7. Proverbs 1.7, notice what the Bible says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise. Notice, fools despise wisdom and fools despise instruction. 
A fool does not want to be instructed. A fool does not want to be trained. A fool does not want to be taught. Why? Because often instruction and wisdom comes in the form of a rebuke. And you either despise instruction or you value it. You're there in Proverbs 1. Go to Proverbs chapter 8. Look at verse 10. I know we're looking at a lot of verses in Proverbs, but I just want you to see what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 8. Look at verse number 10. Proverbs chapter number 8 and verse number 10. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 8.10. Receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. Here the Bible is teaching us that there is value in instruction. There is value. He says, hey, receive, he's saying, if you have a choice between instruction and silver, if you have the choice between knowledge and choice gold, he said, receive instruction. He said, receive knowledge. He said, you know what? Silver fades. Gold, you know, that stuff gets old. You know, it gets corrupted. It, moth eats it up. But, but he says, you want to see the value in being taught. And it's, so, it's interesting to me, you know, I'll preach sermons and people will come up to me and say, and I, you know, if you've said this to me, I don't think anybody here has, but if you've said this to me, you know, I'm not picking on you. But people will come up to me, you know, after a sermon on a Sunday morning and they'll just be like, man, every time I come to this church, I learn something just that I've never heard that's going to change my life. And then we won't see him for six weeks. And I'm thinking to myself, like, if every time you come to church, you just get this, you know, life-changing truth from the Word of God, you think you'd show up a little more often, you know? Like, you think you, you would just see the value in that, but some people see no value in instruction. Some people pay hundreds and thousands of dollars to go to a school somewhere because they know if they get instruction, they can use that. And then then some people just don't see the value in the fact that when the Word of God is being preached or when the Bible is being taught, you know, that, that there's value in that. But that's because they are foolish, brutish people. A wise man will see the value. A wise woman will see the value. Go to Proverbs chapter 9. Look at verse 9. Notice what the Bible says. You're there in Proverbs 8. One page over to Proverbs 9 where we started. Proverbs chapter 9. Look at verse number 9. Notice what the Bible says. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. See, the reason some people succeed in life and some people fail... The reason that some people are, are, are doing things and, and it seems like, man, God is just blessing them. It seems like they make all the right decisions. It seems like they're just doing a good job and, and stewarding the life that God has given. Here's the, it's not that they're smarter. It's not that they're more talented. It's not that God loves them more than anyone else. It's just some people are willing to receive instruction. And some people are not. They just don't want to be rebuked. They just don't want to be corrected. They just don't want to be instructed. They just don't ever want anybody to acknowledge them or to confront them and say, no, you're doing it wrong. And those people, the Bible says, are hurting themselves because there's value in instruction. Now, what are the reasons that people will not receive correction? Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 21, and look at verse number 18. Deuteronomy 21, if you, if you start in the book of Genesis, you go Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 21, 18. If you're a child in the, in the service tonight, I want you to listen up right now, okay? Because this, this passage is in the context of a child, and it applies to all of us, but, you know, specifically children, make sure you're listening right now. Deuteronomy 21, look at verse number 18. Why do people not receive correction? One of the reasons, or maybe two of the reasons that people do not receive correction is because they are stubborn and rebellious. Deuteronomy 21.18 says this, If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son. Now, what makes someone a stubborn and rebellious son? Here's the definition. Which will not obey the voice of his father. So they have a son that just will not obey, or the voice of his mother. And that when they have chastened him, 
So they've corrected him. They've rebuked him. They've said, no, no, you're doing it wrong. Let me help you out here. When they have chastened them, will not hearken, will not listen unto them. Then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of the city and unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of his city, this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones. You see that? The Bible says all the men of the city shall stone him with stones. That he die. So shall thou put evil away from among you. And all Israel shall hear and fear. Now let me go ahead and make some of you kids are freaking out right now. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know. Okay, number one. We don't live under the Levitical you know, law of the Old Testament. All right, this was a law given to the nation of Israel at that time. That's not the nation, we, don't, we live in the laws of the United States of America. I'm not advocating we do this, all right? But the principle is true that God hates rebellion and God hates stubborn, stubbornness. And, and here's the principle. If someone is not willing to be instructed, if someone is not willing to be corrected, if someone is not willing to be told, you are wrong, you need to fix that, you need to fix this. If someone's not willing to receive that because they're stubborn and rebellious, there is no hope for that individual. In fact, to the place where God would say, if you have a child who you chasten and you chasten and you chasten and they will not obey and will not obey and will not obey, God says, just stone them, just, just get rid of them, just kill them because there's no hope for them. Now, you can judge God and say, God, God, why would God do that and why would God allow that? You know, God gave us these laws. I'm, I'm not really sure that this ever happened. There's no account in the Bible that I've ever read where a parent actually took their child to the, you know, to the gate and stoned them. But think about this. How many times would this have to happen before the children got their act together? You know what I mean? When the kids are like, where's Jimmy at the playground? They're like, well, you didn't hear it. The parents took him over to, they stoned him with stone. All those kids are going to be like, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I mean, how many times would this have to happen, you know, for, for kids to just be like, I'm not going to be stubborn. I'm not going to be rebellious. Now, obviously, we don't do that today in our society. But here's the point. When someone is stubborn and someone is rebellious, when someone will not listen, they will not hearken, no matter how much you're chasing them, there's, that, there's, no, there's, no even, there's no hope for them. God says, don't even waste your time. Don't even reprove a scorner. All he's going to do is hate you. See, the reason that people will not receive instruction is because they are stubborn and rebellious. But there's another reason why people won't receive instruction is because they don't want to be exposed. Go with me to the book of John, John chapter number 3 in the New Testament. you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3, look at verse number 19. John chapter number 3 and verse 19. John three nineteen. notice what the Bible says. And I don't know that anybody ever did that in the Bible, but you got to believe if somebody ever actually did that, that that was probably, the, I mean, they must have really felt like they were in a hopeless situation to do, to do that. John chapter 3, look at verse 19. Notice what the Bible says. John three nineteen, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Jesus is the light. And the Bible says, here's the condemnation. Light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. They want to stay in the dark and not be exposed in the light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. See, the only time you need to be in the darkness is when you're doing something wrong. I tell people all the time, I tell my kids all the time, if you're lying about something, it's because you're doing something wrong. If you're trying to hide something, it's because you're doing something wrong. 
I don't have to hide anything if I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't have to lie about anything if I'm not doing anything wrong. I have to hide and lie if I'm trying to hide something that I'm doing. And the Bible says here, hey, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Verse 20, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. Why? Lest his deeds should be, notice the word, reproved. They don't want to be corrected. They don't want to be instructed. They don't want to be told you're doing something wrong. They can't handle that. They can't deal with that. They're too rebellious and they're too stubborn and they are too proud. They don't want anybody ever telling them, no, you're wrong about that. But here's the problem with that person is their lives will be miserable. Their lives will be worthless. There'll be no hope for them because all of us have to keep this idea of maintaining teachability, a teachable spirit. Every single one of us has to wake up every day with this idea. I can learn something new today. I can learn something new from the word of God today. I can be corrected today. You know, I, I, can, I can figure out that I'm doing something wrong or that I'm thinking wrongly or that I'm not really processing this right. Every single one of us has to maintain a spirit where we are saying, I am willing and I am open to be exposed before God. And I want to be. Look, there's so many things that I've learned in my life that I had to just say like, whoa, I was wrong about that. I was wrong for a long time in my life. I believe in the pre-trib rapture. For a long time in my life, I was wrong about all sorts of things, you know. And as I was exposed to the truth, sometimes I didn't like it. Sometimes it didn't feel good. Sometimes I thought, well, you know, I don't know about that. But listen, do you have a teachable spirit? Do you have a spirit that says, I want to learn and increase in learning and know the truth? Because those, the people who are not willing to be corrected, it's because they're stubborn and rebellious. It's because they don't want to be reproved in the light. See, when you're not teachable, you're only hurting yourself. Can you go back to the book of Proverbs? Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. Look at verse number 11. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 11. So here's a question I have for you tonight. Simple sermon, not very complicated at all. Do you have a teachable spirit? Do you have a teachable spirit? Are you the type of person that every time something is brought up that goes against whatever you're doing, you're not even willing to look at it, you're not even willing to acknowledge it, you're not even willing to, to say, you know, this could be right or this could be wrong, you automatically say, I will not listen, and you have a stubborn and rebellious spirit. Because here, here's the warning for you. When you're not teachable, you're only hurting yourself. When you're not teachable, you're only hurting yourself. Are you there in Proverbs chapter 5? Look at verse number 11. Proverbs 5 and verse 11. Notice what the Bible says. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And say, here's what he's saying. Someone's going to come to the end of their life and they're going to mourn. Now notice, it's not saying that people are going to mourn when you die. It's saying when you get close to the end of your life, you're going to mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And say, notice what they're going to say, how have I hated instruction? And my heart despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ears to them that instructed me. See, if you have a spirit that is not teachable, if you are rebellious and stubborn, if you are not willing to be reproved and corrected, if you're not willing to come out in the light, if you're not willing to have somebody tell you either through preaching or maybe it's a boss or maybe it's a parent or whatever and say, hey, you're going down the wrong road. You're making the wrong decision. You're not doing the right thing. I disagree. I disapprove with what you're doing. Let me help you out. If you're not willing to have a heart that says, 
says, I want to be taught. I want to be instructed. I'm just telling you right now, you will regret your life. You will get to the end of your life and you will say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof. And you will say, I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have listened. I mean, how many, we don't, we're not going to do it tonight, but if I just opened up the floor and said, you know what, anyone who wants to give a testimony, just stand up right now and just tell us, you know, I'm talking about the adults, tell us, you know, how you regret not listening to your mom or dad about whatever. I mean, people would get up and say, I married the wrong person. <laughs> you know, my mom told me not to marry him. My mom said he was a loser. My mom said he don't have a job. But I just, how have I hated instruction? You know, I mean, look, all of us can look back and say, man, I wish I would have listened to this area. Man, I wish I would have taken heed in that area. Man, I w-. and here's what you got to understand. Your life will be better the more teachable you are. But when you are stubborn and stiff-necked and say, I will not be I mean, and think about the silliness of that. To think, I am without error. I make no mistakes. Every decision I make is right, and I will not allow anybody to correct me. I mean, the pride and arrogance of a person like that, that's why they end up being destroyed. Are you there in Proverbs 5? Go to Proverbs chapter 10, look at verse 17. Proverbs chapter 10, look at verse 17. Proverbs 10, 17. And, you know, if the adults won't take heed to this sermon, I hope the children will. I hope children will develop an attitude of saying, I want to learn. I want to be corrected. I want to be instructed. I don't want to live a life of a loser. Proverbs 10, look at verse 17. He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction. But he that refuseth reproof, erreth, erreth. You're making an error. You're making a mistake when you refuse reproof. You're making a right decision when you keep instruction. Go to Proverbs 13. Look at verse number 18. Proverbs 13. You're there in Proverbs 10? Go to Proverbs 13. Look at verse 18. Aren't you surprised how many Bible verses there are about this subject? About receiving instruction? About keeping a teachable spirit? About being taught the Word of God? Proverbs chapter number uh, 13. Look at verse number 18. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter number 13 and verse 18. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction. Poverty and shame. Is that how you want to end your life? And, you know, let me just talk to the kids. Hey, kids, is this how you want to end your life? Get to the end of your life and say, here are the words that describe my life. Poverty and shame. Well, here's how you get there. By refusing instruction. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction. But he, notice, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. See, we, we have this idea that, like, I don't want anybody to correct me because I don't want to be put in a position where people are telling me I'm wrong. I want to be honored. I want to be acknowledged. I want to be respected. I want to be the one that's telling people they're wrong. But listen, how do you get to the place of honor? By keeping instruction, by receiving instruction, by being corrected. And people have this idea, like, I want to be the leader. I want to be in charge. But how do you get there? By being a good follower. How do you get there? By listening, by being humble. By saying, I don't have it figured out. I can learn. I can grasp. The Apostle Paul, who other than the Lord Jesus Christ, obviously, and John the Baptist, who Jesus said was the greatest man on earth, the Apostle Paul is probably one of the greatest Christians who ever lived. And he said, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He's the reason that if you're a Gentile, you're saved. is because of the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest men who ever was. And he said, I have not apprehended. He said, I can still learn. He said, I can still be corrected. He said, I, I'm, not, I'm not made it. And yet you and I want to get to the place where we say, I'm never going to receive correction. 
I only like the sermons where pastor's not telling me I'm doing something wrong. Well, you're at the wrong church because you're doing a lot of things wrong. <laughs> you know, and here's what you got to understand. We must maintain a teachable spirit. Go to Proverbs uh, 15. Look at verse 31. Proverbs 15, verse 31. If Paul can, said, can say, my brethren, I caught not myself to have apprehended. If Paul can say, I have not arrived. If Paul can say, I, I can still learn, I can still grow, I can still do more, I can still be corrected, I can still be taught. If Paul can say that, then you and I can say that. Amen. And you and I ought to keep a spirit that says, I don't have it all put together. And look, as a, you know, let me go ahead and say this and defend myself a little bit. As a pastor of Every Baptist Church, would you give me the grace to be wrong every once in a while? You know, sometimes people get this idea that like the pastor is supposed to be God and never supposed to be wrong about anything. You may, I may make a mistake. I may have to apologize to you. I may have to say I'm wrong. And, I, and for those of you that give me that grace, I really appreciate you. You're one of my favorite people. Because look, we all have something and somewhere where we can learn and be trained. None of us have apprehended. Are you there in Proverbs 15? Look at verse 31. Proverbs 15, verse 31. And there are some of you that are very graceful with me, and I appreciate that. There are some of you that are very kind to me, and you let me mess up, and, and, and thank you. I appreciate that. But we should all have that grace for each other. And realize that we're all learning. Proverbs 15, verse 31. The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. If you refuse instruction, look, you're, you're only hurting yourself. You're despising your own soul. You're only messing up, you're, you're messing up your own marriage. You're messing up your own children. You're messing up your own finances. You're messing up whatever areas that God can help you. If you are, do not have a teachable spirit, you are hurting yourself and no one else. And you'll get to the end of your life and you'll say, how I hated instruction how I despise reproof, how I regret not learning, how I regret not being taught because I was too proud and too stubborn to take instruction. So what do you do? What do you do with instruction? There's three things you ought to do with instruction. Go to Proverbs 19, look at verse 20. Proverbs chapter number 19 and verse 20. You're there in the book of Proverbs already. Uh, so go to Proverbs 19 and verse 20. What do you do with instruction? The first thing you do with instruction is you have to hear it. You have to hear it. Proverbs 19, 20. Notice what the Bible says. Hear counsel. Hear counsel and receive instruction, that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Hear instruction and receive, I'm sorry, hear counsel and receive instruction. Why? That thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. That you can end up as a wise person. How do you end up as a wise person? You hear counsel, you receive instruction. You're there in Proverbs 19, go to Proverbs chapter 8, look at verse 33. Proverbs, I know we're looking at a lot of passages, but they're in Proverbs, so should they, they should be fairly easy. Proverbs chapter 8 Verse 33. Proverbs 8.33. Proverbs 8.33. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. See, the first step to being a wise person that receives instruction is that you, number one, hear it. And let me ask you about that. Are you the type of person that hears instruction? I know I'm preaching to the Sunday night crowd. Obviously, if you're here on a Sunday night, it's because you love God, you love the Word of God. I get that. But are you the type of person who says, you know what? When, when, when the house of God is open, I will be there because there is something being taught from the Word of God that I need to hear. 
I mean, are you the type of person who says, you know, whatever's going on, I mean, are you at work? Are you, are you the guy that whenever everyone's, you know, the boss is giving you instructions, you're like, ah, I already know. He doesn't know anything. I've been here longer than him. Look, if you've been there longer than him, why is he your boss? Uh, maybe the problem is you don't hear. Maybe the problem is you don't listen. Are you the type of person, hey, kids, at school, when you're being instructed, when you're being taught, when your teacher's teaching you, or maybe your mom, if you're being homeschooled, are you the type of person who says, I want to hear this? Or are you, because look, you're setting yourself up right now to either grow up and be a great success, a wise man, a wise woman of God, or you're, raising, you're, you're setting yourself up to be a fool if you're the type of person who doesn't learn to hear. Listen. I mean, I, I wish I could get this in the, in the head of, of children. I wish I could get this in the heads of my children. I w- you know, I think, I think we have it like mixed up. We, we put children through school who don't appreciate it, and then they get to my age and they're like, man, I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have paid more attention. I mean, isn't that true? How many adults would say, man, I just wish I would have paid attention, you know, in that English class. I wish I would have paid attention in that, you know, math class. You know, I, I almost wish we'd just do it backwards, you know, because the adults would probably appreciate it. But hey, kids, be the type of person who hears, who whenever someone's giving you knowledge, someone's giving you instruction, someone's teaching you something, hey, just be open to hear all the time. Be the type of person who says, I want to hear counsel. I want to receive instruction. I want to hear instruction. I don't want to refuse instruction because I want to be wise. So what do you do with instruction? Number one, you have to hear it. How do you hear it at church? You got to show up. How do you hear it at work? How do you hear it at school? Whatever it is, be the type of person when someone says, you know, hey, let me teach you something. Just just listen up and say, I want to learn that. Learning will never hurt you. So what do you do with instruction? You hear it, number one. Number two, you internalize it. Go to Proverbs chapter four. Look at verse 13. Proverbs chapter 4, look at verse 13. Proverbs 4, 13, notice what the Bible says. You have to hear instruction, number one. But number two, you then internalize instruction. Look at what the Proverbs 4, 13 says. Take fast hold. That means hold on to it. Get a grip on it. Don't let it go. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. See, look, it's not enough for you to go to a church where the pastor teaches you, you know, to stay away from alcohol. It's not enough to go to a church where the pastor teaches you how to have a good marriage, where the pastor teaches you how to be successful with your finances, where the pastor teaches you how to live a life that you won't regret, how to live a life that's well-pleasing to God, how to live a life where you can get to the end of your life and have Jesus look at you and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's not enough to just sit and hear it. you got to take fast hold on that thing. I mean... What, and and I'm, I'm not saying like spiritually, like I want, I, I, I'm asking this, how good of a student are you? I mean, when you're at church and you're listening to Bible being preached, are you just counting the ceiling tiles? Are you just doing your to-do list? You look like you're taking notes, but you're just writing that grocery list for Monday. You know, you ladies in, in, the, in the mother baby rooms, you know, are you paying attention and listening? I mean, when you're, when you're under the instruction and someone is teaching you, do you take fast hold? Do you let her not go? Do you say, this is valuable? I need this. I need to get this. Or, or, or are you the type of person where, you know, you get home and your husband's like, oh, what, 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 what was the sermon about? You know, were you listening? And you're like, I don't know. You know, you ask your kids, what, what was the preaching about? Jesus? That's a safe answer. You know, we need to get to the place where we not only hear instruction, but we internalize it. We see the value in it. 
We take fast hold. You know, I, sh- I want to encourage you, you know, t- if you're able to. And I know you ladies with the young children are not able to do this maybe as much as you'd like to. But if you're able to, take notes during the preaching. You know, at school, kids, listen and take fast hold of instruction for she is thy life. So number one, you hear it. Number two, you internalize it. Number three, you apply it. Go to Proverbs 23. Look at verse 12. Proverbs 23 and verse number 12. Proverbs 23, verse 12. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 23, verse 12. Proverbs 23, 12, the Bible says this, Apply thine heart unto instruction, and thine ears to the words of knowledge. Apply thine heart unto instruction, and thine ears to the words of knowledge. See, it's not enough to just internalize it, to hear it, to, 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 but then apply it. And here's that applied into your heart, but hey, I'm just saying like, actually apply it in your life. Go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew... First book in the New Testament should be fairly easy to find. Matthew chapter number 7. You have a famous, very famous uh, parable uh, we're all familiar with. But let's look at it together quickly. Matthew chapter number 7 and look at verse number 24. Matthew chapter number 7 and verse number 24. Notice what Jesus taught about this idea of application. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. The Bible says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine. Jesus just got done teaching what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Probably one of the greatest sermons in the Bible, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus giving all sorts of great teaching, all sorts of teaching that can help your life, that can really help you be blessed. He starts with the Beatitudes, and then he ends the sermon by saying this in verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. See, it's not enough. He's like, you know, he, he can tell these people, you just listen to probably one of the greatest sermons that will ever be preached. You listen, you listen to the Lord Jesus Christ teach the great Sermon on the Mount. But then he says, look, if you hear it and do with them, I will liken him unto, isn't this a coincidence, a wise man which built his house upon a rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell not for it was founded upon the rock. Now I want you to notice in verse 25, it doesn't say, you know, if the rains come. It says, and the rain descended. It's not, it's not a matter of if troublous times will come. It's not a matter of if hard aches will come. It's not a matter of are things going to get hard. They, you know, they will get hard. You will go through storms. You will have problems. And Jesus said, the rain descended, the flood came, the winds blew, the beat, that beat upon the house, and it fell not. Why? For it was founded upon a rock. What does he mean by that? They heard it, and then they did it. They applied it. Now notice the contrast, verse 27. I'm sorry, verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. Notice what he says. Shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the flood came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Now, what's the difference between the fool and the wise man? They both heard it. They're both there for the great sermon. But he said the difference between a foolish man and a wise man is that one hears and does, the other one hears and doeth not. It's not enough to hear it. It's not enough to internalize it. you got to apply it to your life. you got to actually do what you're being taught. You, you got to actually do, you know, when you come to church and the Bible is preached and you say, wow, that, you know, that is an area that I'm not, I'm not doing what God tells me to do in that area. Or I, I could do better. Hey, don't just say, man, you know, I'll work on that. Leave here and work on it. 
Do something about it. You know, there's no point of you going to church for five years or ten years and, and you're still struggling with the same old sins that you were struggling with and the same old problems that you were struggling with, you know, when you started out. Your life ought to be getting better, but here's how it gets better. By hearing, internalizing, and applying it, doing it. What do you do with what you're taught? What do you do with what you hear? What do you do with the instructions that you are given? Do you just sit there and go, well, that was a nice sermon. That was entertaining. Pastor was a little better this week than he was last week. His jokes were just a little bit funnier this time, you know. I actually chuckled a little bit. Or do you say, hey, I'm going to do something about what I heard. I'm going to do something with what I have been taught. Go to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 18. We'll finish up right here. Jeremiah chapter number 18. Well, we're going to look at Jeremiah, then we'll go, to, we'll go back to Proverbs, and we'll be done. Jeremiah 18. If you have your place in the book of Proverbs, you can just go past Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, and the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 18. Jeremiah 18 is a really famous passage, and we've looked at it quite a bit here even recently. I think we looked at it in the Isaiah series. But I, I, I want to show you something that I haven't brought out in it before, something I learned recently. Jeremiah 18, look at verse 1. The Bible says this, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Notice the consistency there. You go down to the potter's house, you go down to the house of God, and what happens there? You hear his words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. Why do you come to the potter's house? To hear the word being preached. But what's the point of hearing the Bible preached? The point is that God is doing a work in your life. And I don't understand this idea. Like, people will, will come to church and they'll say, like, Pastor, you know, they're upset because I preach something. It's like, you, pre- you know, that's something I do or that's something I have a hang-up on or, or you stepped on my toes. And I'm thinking to myself, like, well, why did you even come? I mean, I thought the whole point was I'm going to come and hear the Bible preach so God can work on me, so God can help me, so God can mold me, so God can create me. Notice, then I went down to the potter's house, verse 3, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Now, I always like to make, make note you understand. It doesn't say that it was marred by the hand of the potter. It says that it was marred in the hand of the, of the potter. And that's what you and I have to understand. We, marred means it was disfigured. It, was, it, it, it had an issue. You and I have to figure out and realize that when we come to church, we have issues. We have problems. We have things that God's trying to work in our lives. And that's why we have to maintain a teachable spirit. Because the vessel, verse 4, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. And it was marred so badly that, notice, so he made it again another vessel. He just had to start over. He said, I, I can't even do anything with it. I just got to start over. And usually that's when people come to church, you know, when God just kind of starts over. It's like my finances are falling apart, my marriage is falling apart, my life's falling apart, and all of a sudden it's like, I need church, right? And that's great. You know, we want to uh, bring people in at that point. But notice what it says. And the vessel that he made was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make. And by the way, that's, that's the goal. It's not what seems good to you, it's what seems good to God. It's not the life that I want God to give me, it's the life that God wants to give me. It's his will. As seemed good to the potter to make it, then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel. So here's the application. 
He says, go down to the potter's house, and I want you to look, look at him mold the clay. He takes clay, he's molding it, he's working on it. He says, I don't really like this, I'm going to change it, I'm going to make it look this way. It, 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 uh, you know, it's got these issues, I'm going to take that off, I'm going to start over. No, this isn't right, let me start. And he's working on it, and he's working on it, and he's working on it, and he wants to make it the way he wants it, not the way the clay wants it. And then he says this, O house of Israel, Cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. And that's what God would say to you and I. Because later Paul would take this passage and apply it to New Testament believers. And God would say to you and I, as the clay is in the hand of the potter, in the same way you and I are in the hand of the potter. And he wants to mold you. And he wants to work on you. And he wants to create in you a new life, a new person. He wants to make you different than you used to be. Because the old you was marred. The old you had issues. The old you was crazy. I, you know, I, it's, it, my, my wife and I laugh because, you know, when we, when we first started the church, God, God initially blessed us with a lot of great members. You know, we had... Brother Vincent, Brother Ron, Brother Daryl, Miss Blanca, Miss Beulah, Miss Cricket, they all were all there right at the beginning. God gave us a lot of great church members right at the beginning. But you know, at the beginning, God gave us a lot of crazy people too. And we had all sorts of great, you know, stories of crazy people. And I mean, I, mean, I love them. I'm not, I'm not mocking. I'm just saying they, people had issues, you know. And when you start a brand new church, you, you kind of attract that crowd. And, and, you know, my wife and I, we used to kind of, maybe we never really said it out loud, but I think we both were kind of thinking, like, wouldn't it be nice when we have, like, normal people, you know, coming to our church, you know? And now, you know, God has blessed us. And you know what I figured? Now we have, like, successful people, normal people, people that drive nice cars and have nice clothes and have great jobs, you know, and great. And you know what I figured out? Normal people are crazy, too. It's just a different type of crazy. You know, they're, they're, everyone's crazy. They all, everyone has issues. They're all marred in the hand of the potter. You know, it's just different. It's just different crazy. But go, go, go to Jeremiah 19. Look at verse 1. Here's the part that I've never really seen before. Jeremiah 19, look at verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, go and get a potter's earthen bottle. Now remember, in, in chapter 18, he was talking about the vessel that he's making. Now in verse 19, he says, hey, go get that potter's earthen bottle and take to the ancients of the people and of the ancients of the priests and, and he, he gives them all these words. I'm going to skip that for sake of time, but go down to verse number 10. You can read it in the context if you want. But notice what he says in verse 10. He says, then shalt thou break the bottle. So he says, go get that bottle that the potter was working on. And then he tells them, tell the people, you know, and he goes over a whole list of their sins and things that they're not willing to get right with God. And then he says at the end in verse 10, he says at the end of your little sermon, he said, Then shalt thou break the bottle in the sight of the men that go with thee, and shall say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Even so will I break this people and this city, as one breaketh the potter's vessel that cannot be made whole again, and they shall bury them in Tophet, till there be no place to bury. And, you know, I read that recently, and I thought to myself, wait a minute. Okay, so in, in Jeremiah 18, God says, I'm going to work on you. I want to mold you. You're marred, but I want to make you the way that I want you to be. And then in chapter 19, he says, you know what? Just take that, that potter's clay, that bottle of clay, and just break it. And, and you've got to ask yourself this question. Well, what, what happened from chapter 18 to 19? What's the difference between the clay that God wants to mold and the clay that God has to break? 
And I'll tell you what the difference is. One is pliable and the other is hardened. One is willing to be molded and the other one has dried and will no longer mold. One is flexible and God can still work on it and God can still work, do something with it. And the other one has just become stubborn and stiff-necked and God says, there's nothing I can do with this but break it. And the question I have for you is this, which one are you? Are you pliable? Are you flexible? Are you teachable? Are you willing to say to God, I have not yet apprehended? I can be corrected. I can be instructed. I can be made better. I can still have God mold and work on my life. Or are you the stubborn, stiff-necked bottle that has dried in the way you are, and God says, there's nothing I can do with it but break it. But use it as a bad example. What's the difference between chapter 18 and chapter 19? One is flexible. One is yielding. One is pliable. One is teachable. One is correctable. One is willing to be taught and instructed and reproved and rebuked, and one is not. So which one are you? I want you to decide, and I want myself to decide, that we will maintain a spirit of teachability, that we will maintain a spirit that says, I will get up every day on that wheel and let God mold me and let God you know, uh, mold me in the way that he wants me to be. Don't ever get hard. Don't ever get to that place where you say, I'm not willing to be corrected. Because at that point, God would say of a child, might as well just take them to the gate and stone them because there's no hope. Let's fire ahead to have a word of prayer.